Let's go, girl. And now for something completely different. Ah! Forget everything you've been told by others before. Get ready for the real deal. The full story. Real talk about money, markets, life. Now, it's The Real Investment Show. Presented by RIA Advisors. Well, good morning, everybody. Welcome to Financial Fitness Friday. I'm Rich Rosso, CFP, here with Danny Ratliff, CFP. We're so glad you can uh, you can join us. How you doing there, uh, Professor? Feeling okay today? Feeling great, you. <laughs> professor, wait a second, man. You're wearing the turtleneck. <laughs> it's like 80 degrees outside. It's not. Nah, it's not. It actually, uh, it's actually cold in Houston. Well, it's not that cold. But Says cold the guy in, in the turtleneck. Cold enough. Cold enough. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, looks like uh, Dow implied open 198 points. We'll see uh, where this goes. Dow, uh, numbers are positive. We'll see how this whole, you know, works. You know, Danny, um, this whole talk of pivot is sort of funny. Whoa, especially if you listen to <laughs> James Bullard. There's no pivot in sight. Oh, no. No, 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 no. I mean, I don't know how many times... The Fed has to come out and tell us, we got a long way to go. Boy, the denial is huge in markets, right? Yeah. So, and what Bullard said was that rate hikes have only had a limited effect on inflation so far. So next year should be very, very interesting, especially in the face of this post-pandemic labor conundrum. Well, I think that's right. It is a post-pandemic labor conundrum because we're seeing now many of these larger institutions, especially like Amazon, FedEx, they're getting back to normalcy pre-pandemic levels, not necessarily making huge. Now, they mm -hmm. are huge cuts, but think about the difference that, that we've had here as far as what the economy is doing. I mean, I just look at my own street, you know, working from home during the pandemic, you'd see like 15, 20 FedEx trucks, UPS, Amazon drivers, and now you may see one or two. Um, mm -hmm. big, big difference, but it's just getting back to that pre-pandemic uh, type of shopping. I think people are out and about, they're more comfortable, mm -hmm. which we knew this was going to look different coming off of this. Now, the other caveat though, Rich, is like we've talked about, um, you know, savings rate, way, way down, actually lower than pre-pandemic levels. Yep. Credit and card usage, way up. Way I mean, up. MasterCard saw an 18% increase uh, in usage. Um you know, I the the after effects, Danny, of being locked up for two years, still upon us. Mm -hmm. People are not making rational decisions financially uh, because of the fact is I deserve to do this. I deserve to be out there. I deserve the vacation, and all heck be darn to paying it. We got back to YOLO all over again. Yeah, we're YOLO. All <laughs> that's. But again, Man. you know, I, I talked to somebody yesterday, uh, you know, a Gen Zer, and she goes, you know, they can lock us up at any time, so I'm going to do what I want. And I'm like, oh, you know, that might be sort of valid for what people are doing. I said it's fiscally re reckless, but well, they're um, going to lock you up, pay your bills. Is that going to continue to happen? I mean, come on. I, I mean, I you let's know, be realistic. The here, right? mindset is either it's changed, it's different. It eventually goes back to normalcy the, the, the further away we get from the pandemic response, the terrible pandemic, the horrible, terrible, egregious, whatever word you want to use for what we did. Uh, 
so we'll see how that works. But yes, it was nice. It, it was amazing to see where the savings rate was during the pandemic. And a lot of that made sense. But it would have been nice if we turned a new leaf and managed to continue to save. And think, in other words, thinking that maybe this could happen again. Maybe I could lose my job. Maybe things are going to change. So I'm going to hunker down and have all these great habits. But we are consumers and we only live for today. Boy, is that ever true now. And then we're going to pay for that next year. If you're keeping a balance on your credit card rate, uh, where interest rates are and when the Fed raises rates, you've got a problem. Also read a report yesterday about home equity, home equity line of credit usage is, is up to uh, dramatic levels. And in some ways, that might be smart. If you're paying off high-interest credit card debt with a, home, with a home equity line of credit, that might be 7% versus 19 to 24% on your credit cards. But that doesn't mean you're going to rack up the credit cards again, and that's what I worry about. So I understand the swap of money for lower interest, but I don't – let's see what happens there. So you're seeing a record use of home equity lines of credits, even though some banks have actually, again, like they did in 2008, 2009, they've cut them out. They said, nope, we're shutting them down. It's a cup game, you know? It's like, okay, where's the ball? Here it is. Wait, where's the average balance going? It's no, it's here, it's there. It's uh, everywhere. And so, but people are moving it around from one place to another, which is smart, right? If we can lower interest rates, uh, you pay less. I think it's great. You, you can potentially write it off if you can itemize. Um, yep. If you're using a home equity, I think that's great. And you're still lowering your rate from that credit card. But the problem is, Rich, is that credit card balances are going up. It's not just usage. It's the balances no, exactly. that are increasing. Outstanding and, balances. And they're staying there. Yep. So that means people aren't paying that off. Savings rate has declined to 3.5%. Pre-pandemic, it was, it was over 9 During the pandemic, it was about 26 at I the know. top. I know. It was amazing. You know, so, so now we see what you mean. That makes sense. Stimulus money. People didn't have to go uh, do certain things and, and pay for you know, your mortgage, your rent. Um, so I think what we're seeing here is the problem. Higher interest rates are certainly hurting. Uh, regardless of what Bullard says, look. We've got a problem. Um, people are spending more because of inflation, but it's going to be like Lance always says, it's a self-fulfilling prophecy in the sense that it will in, end up coming down because people are going to be, they're not going to be able to spend as much, especially as those balances continue to rise. That's right. Um, and I think in the back of some consumers' minds is they might get a bailout of some <laughs> of some kind by spending too much. I mean, I've heard this, believe it or not, from some 20 somethings and I just like literally waiting for a bailout but yeah. but how much okay we talk about the average balances right how much is that going to help but we're, we're I guess I, we're in a belt you have a, a generation of bailouts right the older I get the stupider I get when it comes to stuff like this I you mean you can't use common sense no you, critical thinking <laughs> gone yeah. common sense <laughs> gone so pick your poison man I you know I know the people who listen to this show it's totally different Right. Everybody is doing the right thing. And that's why we're also going to talk a little bit today about one of the best tax opportunities you're going to have in several forms. Wait, albeit Roth conversions up through 2025. Also uh, expanded limits for tax deferred plans that you're able to save or put away. Um, higher standard deduction. Most people use the standard deduction. So, Danny, it's going to be interesting again. Um, what gets this market to finally pay attention to the fact that, one, the Fed isn't done, and two, the layoffs are starting to roll in? 
all or the slowdowns in hiring. Mm-hmm. There was a report out from the Cleveland Fed yesterday that talked about that people need to feel from an inflation expectation perspective, they need to receive wage growth around the area of eight and a half percent to not feel distressed. This is a new metric that the Cleveland Feds come up with. I would like to ask you, Danny, how many companies do you think going into this are going to raise people's wages by eight and a half percent? Yeah, I don't see how they can afford to, especially the cost of borrowing has gotten that much higher. Um, cost of doing business has increased so much. Mm-hmm. I, had a, I had a lunch with a client yesterday. We talked about uh, the cost of him doing business has increased so much. He's like, the lines that he needs to keep, the, the reserves he needs to keep are that much higher. It's like, it actually, you feel like you're doing good, but you're not doing as well. That's right. That's right. But boy, the denial is thick and sticky. Like your kid's lollipop. When we get back, we can talk about tax benefits once in a lifetime that you need to take advantage of here at Financial Fitness Friday. Stay tuned. Get daily investment news you can use. Delivered at the speed of the internet at realinvestmentadvice.com. In 1999, a parafiduciary group of financial advisors were busted by corporate giants for trying to operate in their clients' best interest. These men promptly escaped from a high-cost margin environment to the Houston Energy Corridor. Today, still excoriated by their former employers, they survive as protectors of others' fortunes. If you have a problem about preserving capital, if no one else can help, and you can find them right here, maybe you should hire the RIA team. The Real Investment Show. And welcome back. So, Danny, next year, if you're... uh if you're a super saver and you want to save taxes, uh, you're going to look at, hey, the IRS has just gone ahead and increased by close to 10% the retirement plan contributions you're able to make to 401ks, 403bs, and so forth. Right? I think it's 22500 is going to be the employee contribution. That's a pretty robust uh, increase due to inflation. Now, um, the, the question I have about this, for people on this radio show, I'm not worried. But for the majority, right, there was a study by Allianz Life, I believe, that was saying that about 45% of retirement uh, plan uh, owners mm-hmm. had to tap into their accounts just to pay for expenses. And about 54% decided to not contribute because of inflation, right? I need to worry about keeping the roof over my head versus saving for a goal, a nebulous goal, a decade or longer from from today. So not I think that, you know, the, this, the IRS just gave you a really nice car, but I don't have any gas to put in it, right? If I don't have cash flow in my household, you can raise this limit to 50000 Who cares? But for people who can take advantage of it, that's going to be um, that that's going to be a nice uh, bump right there. Yeah, it's a huge bump. And I think that yeah. the, the problem is, is that most people aren't going to be able to take advantage of it, like mm-hmm. you said. And so where, at what point, 
I mean, great. You know, they, they do a lot of things that look good on the surface, but if you don't actually put those things in action or just physically can't, well, which many the, people can't. They say they want to help the middle class, but what they're doing again is helping the wealthy. Yeah, and I mean, I don't have any problem with that. What I'm just saying is that yeah, it's you're not going to have, have the money. intended effect. Right. You're not, it's not, doesn't have the intended effect. And then you go ahead and demonize people who, who put use money it. in with these accounts. Yeah. Right. That's right. So, so you give them the ability to put more money into it. You demonize them, and then you wonder why nobody has money. Well, it, well. So you know what? We'll give them money. Oh wait, there we have go. inflation. What? How does that work? Don't ask me. Um, they don't ask them. Either. I don't know. I think we could get a monkey to run things. Okay, in the sixties, there was the seventies. There was this show, Lancelot Link, Secret Chimp. Right, and he would talk, walk around, and sort of give everybody great advice. Okay, maybe it's about time we're run by apes, Danny. Planet of the Apes could it could it could it happen? Let me tell you, it should. So, also, we are going to see expansion in income tax brackets. Now, I do think where people, the masses, are going to benefit since not many itemize is the increase in the standard deduction. That, I think, is helpful to most because that's what they use. So Correct. that 7-plus percent increase in the standard deduction, uh, it will benefit many individuals. And uh, that was pretty much the highlight of what I, what I saw there. Well, look, for, for married filing jointly, it's 27700 mm -hmm. I mean, that's a pretty nice little bump there where, mm -hmm. you know, we saw that when initially this Tax Cuts and Jobs Act was enacted and actually put into place that— you know, a lot of people who are itemizing, it didn't make sense anymore. Correct. So now they're just using a standard deduction, which changed. You know, you, you can remember when all this went down, we were talking about what's going to be the impact of charitable giving. How's that going to work? Mm -hmm. um, and, and, you know, in some ways it's changed the way that looks, but the landscape hasn't changed all that much because of people who, like you mentioned earlier, have the money are still typically contributing and itemizing when they can. But this is a nice bump for the average Joe. It is. It is. I mean, this is if you want to help the middle class. You That's the way to do it. You increase those standard deductions, yeah. uh, anything that people can use. Um, and, and again, America, Americans are charitable at heart. And uh, qualified charitable distributions, finally putting that into law uh, for people who are oh, you know, taking their required minimum distributions first. Let's and touch we'll, on that for a minute, though, because well, I think this is, a, about this because, this is a good again, time. You to... don't need to itemize. The question I got yesterday was, do I need to itemize? To, to do a qualified charitable distribution. Which is a really good question. It actually. is a great question. Uh, actually, Pasha called me about that yesterday because a client asked her and I said, no, but let's expand on this qualified charitable distribution. Now, for the most part, once we do, we'll, we'll touch, touch that in a second, but for a lot of people that they're doing it, say with, um, they're using charitable donation funds, right? They're, they're moving highly appreciated assets into those funds. Um, people are bunching up their contributions say they have after-tax contributions. They're bunching them up so they can itemize. So there's a bit of a tax timing component there. You want to work with your financial or tax advisor. So, but let's let's talk a little bit about because again, I've this year, Danny. I don't know about you. It's been very popular with our clients to contribute to charity using their um, their their IRAs and they're in RMD mode. And part of it, I think, I I believe, Danny, is because 
we have done such a good, to- a good job with their planning. They know they're not going to outlive their money. So what we've done is, for some, I've added that charitable component into their plan and saying this is the way you do it. So I think we, are, we, have, we have clients that are more sensitive now to doing it, and it, it seems very popular. I don't know about how about some of your clients. You've seen that too? I have, and I think especially within a year like this year where rates have started to really go up, we're seeing a lot more people retire because of pension payouts. So mm-hmm. I know not every one of you has that, but if you do, you're probably aware that if, you know, because rates are going up, the lump sum payouts are going down. And, you know, I've looked at actually a lot this week where I said, man, it's a pretty substantial difference where really you're working for free if you keep working for some of these people who are about it at retirement or, you know, close to it. So these are things that people are, because of this happening, a lot of other things may be triggered within payouts, uh, deferred comp, uh, some other payouts. And essentially what happens, you have a really large tax bill this year. So many people are looking at these at bunchling or bundling, like you mentioned, mm-hmm. and setting up a donor advised fund or a private charitable foundation, depending on what you're looking at. Donor advised fund is probably the easiest way. It is the easier way, but it allows you to say, okay, you know what? We like to give $10,000 a yeah. year to this charity, but we're going to go ahead and put 50 aside right now into this type of fund, get the tax break for this year, but dole the funds out over several years. Now, I know our, our show goes beyond Houston. And a lot of people listen all over the world through YouTube. Uh, But keep in mind, here in the Energy Hub, we have a lot of people, a lot of clients who have amassed energy stock and is sitting on it. And now they've had this year has been an incredible opportunity based on what energy stocks have done to go ahead and look at at least qualified charitable distributions. You got to be real careful how you take these, don't you, Danny? Because you want to make sure you you go ahead and you cannot possess these funds. I had someone ask me, can I time this? And I'm like, no, you, if I want to send $5,000 to the ASPCA and my, say my uh, RMD is $20,000, I want to do that first. Yeah. And we're jumping around a little bit too. I know we are. Two separate things. But on the qualified charitable distribution for IRAs, you got to be careful. You cannot possess the money in a donor advised fund. Say I move Exxon into a donor advised fund to your point, Danny, you know, that, that can be, I don't have to go ahead and gift that money this year. I will get the deduction this year, but I can go ahead and allocate that money into different allocations. I could have stocks. I can, I can create myself a portfolio and then decide over time that, oh, you know, I think I'm going to do a charity this year, skip next year. So it's building in this account, knowing that you're going to ignite it. You have more control. Qualified charitable distribution, that money needs to go direct. You got to work with your custodian to make sure it's done properly then take your required minimum distribution. Yesterday, I had someone that did $10,000 to a um, to a charity. Yep. We saw that money come out, and then I took the rest of uh, her RMD and sent it to her. Well, essentially, so so that qualified charitable distribution, you can do up to $100,000, and you're going to be mm-hmm. able to send that out directly to the company, so or yes. the, the charity. So we would essentially write a check to the church, to the charity, mm-hmm. to whatever it may be, and that way you ensure that you get that tax break. Now, the other aspect of this is, so you're not paying. So essentially what happens, because you're sending that out of that the account, mm-hmm. you have to be 72, has to be part of your RMD, mm-hmm. and you send that directly to them, you're not paying taxes on it. So it's a smarter way for you to actually make those charitable donations. Yep. Now, 
the other aspect we were talking about, the donor advised fund. This is an area where we would typically want to take an appreciated asset. Mm-hmm. Low say, cost basis, right? Let's say you bought uh, XYZ stock at 30 and it's, it's at 80 today. Well, that would be something that we may want to look at and say, okay, we want to take this specific lot, mm-hmm. move this from here to this donor advised fund. Now you're not paying the taxes on that. You still achieve your, your intent of your contribution, but you didn't pay that tax bill. You mm-hmm. get a tax write-off because of the contribution, and then you can take it over, you can pay it out over multiple years. Yeah. So that's, so that's a really nice aspect. And I think it's, it's overlooked, but people are getting wise to it. And I think they're doing so very quickly. I think this is where the IRS actually gets it right. For people that have charitable intents, I think we have really good tools in place for those individuals who want to. I really feel like it's been within the last probably three or four years where it's gotten a lot better. Well, remember, we didn't know about whether or not we were going to continue qualified charitable distributions until like December. Yeah. We remember we were like, oh, my gosh, what's going to happen? They would do it at the last minute. And now when they finally coded it, you know, it was finally codified, it was great because then it meant this was part of the code and, it, and we don't have to worry about last minute kind of scrambling for clients who wanted to do it. But that took, I think, like three years. I think for two or three years, well, we, were on, we were on this, we were on this, uh, this, this, this tinderbox of... Yeah. Oh, we're going to make this law, but you know what? You probably shouldn't use it yet because the attorneys haven't quite figured out... <laughs> How we're going to determine what you can actually do with it. Just hang on for a minute. Don't worry about it. It'll be okay. Hey, another aspect, really exciting. Danny and I always talk about Roth conversions, but due to high inflation and large expansion of the tax brackets that are going to occur in 2023, you have to aggressively consider a four-year Roth IRA conversion plan now since tax rates are the lowest most people will see in their lifetimes. That's according to Ed Slot of Ed Slot and Company, a tax and IRA guru. And we're going to talk about that when we return here on Financial Fitness Friday. Stay tuned. The Real Investment Advice blog. It's required reading for the informed investor. Catch it today at realinvestmentadvice.com. In 1999, a parafiduciary group of financial advisors were busted by corporate giants for trying to operate in their clients' best interest. These men promptly escaped from a high-cost margin environment to the Houston Energy Corridor. Today, still excoriated by their former employers, they survive as protectors of others' fortunes. If you have a problem about preserving capital, if no one else can help, and you can find them right here, maybe you should hire the RIA team. You're listening to The Real Investment Show. What you should be doing. First of all, I think I'm going to start growing my hair like the FTX dude. I'm going to get that myself a fro. I think you had one a couple months ago. I, I had one. You when came I was in a here, kid. you had that in a mullet. And I it's had like, one when I was like, oh yeah, that's because Amy liked it. But I, I'm like, I can't take this thing anymore. Cut that thing off. Here's a Christmas marketing idea. Oh, oh god. The FTX CEO Chia Pet. Wow. 
That is a good idea. Yeah. Grown in the Bahamas. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man. What a clown. Oh. Did you see some of the stories about how it is worse than Enron? Yes. <laughs> you know, but the problem is there's so much information coming out, and it's difficult to understand, like to really know what is true and what's satire in some of these situations. Like, wait a second, that can't be real. People aren't aren't operating that way. At least you hope not. But I think they are. Yeah, no, I think you're probably right. But I think people are absolutely operating in that mode, and it makes me really wonder why you would give your money to this dude. Here's his commentary. His girlfriend is Chinese polygamous I don't know what she is. But here's what he says. Ethics. It's a dumb game we woke Westerners play. How do you like that? Ethics. Just this dumb game. <laughs> that sounds like a guy I don't I think give I want to give that dude my money. Ever. Anybody else? Nope. Going once, going twice. And he's walking around with his sweaty shirt and his man boobs, and I'm going to go ahead and give you a million dollars, $10 million, $20 million. I mean, I don't really understand, Danny. You remember, you know, when you were a kid and you go, and your dad would go, I don't know about these people. They're a little nuts. And you're like, ah, you know, you're just old, dad. You know, I'm, I'm there. I am Grandpa Simpson. A cloud walked by, you know, flew by the other day and went, eh, clouds. I don't get this giving money to this individual. And a lot of big investors, allegedly smart people got sucked in. It just shows you fear and greed are so blinding. Your brains go out the window. You know, I think, I think this is an interesting sector, right? Because, I mean, number one, being so new is probably difficult for many people to do due diligence like you historically would. Doesn't excuse it. Mm-hmm. But I think you're right. I mean, anytime you see something that's too good to be true, I mean, I heard that his slide deck was like, you know, you're going to get a guaranteed 15% return with no risk. And, you know, I mean, the, the, the story goes so on. As soon as you on. see that, I don't care how much experience you have. It's a red flag. Isn't it? Yeah. Well, it's just like <laughs> with any of these, any of these big failures we've seen or, or schemes, right? I mean, because that's what they are. Anytime. We know that there's been an issue where if it's too good to be true, it's likely too good to be true. And that's the scary part, though, is that, you know, when you have, uh, oh, what's the dude who was down on by the gallery in Houston? Um, Stanford. Stanford. Stanford, right? Yeah. Stanford Financial. I, I had was, people come to me and say, listen, I've got this place. It's going to be 9% CDs. Oh and I thought, God. huh, what are CDs going for right now? Like half that. I had so many people at that time. First of all, I'm driving into work and I'm stopped on the road. I'm stopped at the light on Sage and Westheimer. And these FBI agents at 530 in the morning flood my car. And I'm like, I didn't do it because they were trying to cross the street to get to Stanford. And I knew right away what was down. The prior week, I was getting more clients coming into me asking about 10% guaranteed CDs. Mm -hmm. So I said, okay, it's a bank in Antigua or something like that. Yeah, it was Antigua. Okay, so you know what I did? Try to help these clients understand. I went on the internet and I said, I brought up the bank and it's a pink bank with all these pretty colorful awnings. It looks like an ice cream shop. I says, does this look like a guaranteed bank? This look like a bank you want to put your money into? There's no insurance here. 
So I tried to even use a visual. And when you read Stanford's website, I'll never forget it, he never used the word guarantee. But just like when you write a script, you imply things. You let people come to their own conclusions. That website was so well written, Danny, that you would assume guaranteed on yeah. those CDs. But again, we fall for these things over and over and over again. Listen, I wasn't ever going to buy my car from a vending machine. It was never going to happen. And for a lot of people, it was the same because Carvana is down 97% since this time last year. 97% that stock is down. Why? Do you want to buy a car off a vending machine? I don't want to buy a car from anybody, to be honest with you. I hate buying cars. I know, me too. It's like a terrible experience. I mean, I'd probably rather do that if I could barter with and get a better deal. But I even okay with CarMax and, you know, no stress, go in there, buy a car, whatever, or look at it online and check it out. But who thought this was a good idea? Imagine owning this stock. So what'll never change is fear and greed. It's just not going to happen. I don't care if you're Gen Z, baby boomer, millennial, Gen X. It doesn't matter. It connects all of us. Our lizard brains connect all of us regardless. But you and I being in this business and seeing these kinds of things, the hair goes up on the back of our necks when we see people saying, I'm going to get a 10% rate of return. Well, there's, number yeah. one, there's a special place in hell for these people. Oh, absolutely. There's no doubt about the, it. The, like this, this dude... Yeah. Right. That says ethics is a Western, uh, you know, it's some sort of woke thing. Imagine if you think about ethics. <laughs> well, the, the problem, too, is, I mean, for us and what we do, I mean, it takes a long time to to garner your know, trust, reputation. Mm-hmm. And, and really, that's what everything's centered on. And so, you know, it makes it more difficult from uh, that perspective. But really what what the worst part about it is, is what what it does to people. Right. I mean, you are destroying people's livelihoods. It devastates them. Uh, And again, I even was trying at the time with Stanford, instead of putting all your money into this, why don't you just put a small percentage because something doesn't smell right. I've had people that that retired, instead of coming over and working with me, they went and gave the money to Stanford and lost all Mm. their savings. And that, uh, you don't want to hear that. Yeah, you know, it's okay you lose a client to another advisor just because it's a better fit. But to have someone go ahead and make this conscious decision to chase something that you know is, is not going to work out, it, it's, it's heartbreaking for an advisor because you know how much work was gotten, had gotten into the, for that individual to save that amount of wealth. Yeah. And now it's going to be gone. And that is, like you said, there's a special place in you know where for those people. Well, it, it, Or yeah, my ex's know. house, hell or my ex's house. I got to... <laughs> Either one. <laughs> oh, man. You may want to clarify which one you're speaking about, Rich. Which X? Oh, God, there's so many. Rich's uh, car is going to be look, a little different when he gets out there in the parking garage. You'll see a whole line of Xs out there with ready to scrape the car. Um, so Roth conversion planning, Danny, it can't get any better. We've been talking about... Roth conversion planning and surgical Roth conversion for I don't know how long. You had a lot more hair at the time. We've been talking mm-hmm. about this. I mean, Brent had the hair of the FTX guy. That's how long we've been talking about surgical Roth conversion. But for this year and the next year and the following year, based on expansions of the tax brackets, 
right? If you look at tax bracket increases, say from 2022 this year to next year, the 32% bracket's gonna give you like another $30,600. 24% bracket, an additional $24,100. These are opportunities to move money into Roth because if the tax laws don't change, we know that these rates are scheduled to increase automatically after 2025. So this year, you got four years. And in our planning, we have a level two, we call level two planning when it comes to income, tax-efficient income, retirement income distribution. We know that this window is closing, but now it's almost like the window has been supersized. Well, it's been supersized. And I think of what happened here just a week ago gives us a little bit more comfort thinking that because we have a divided Congress, oh, yeah. Gridlock. that we know. we're not mm-hmm. going to see any big legislative changes with taxes. So right. that's why I think that this is a bigger part of it. You know, having the increase is great, but if they're going to raise taxes anyways, it, it may not be be for much. But now we look. it looks like we're going to have a little bit longer window to execute this where, you know, things would have went differently. And this is not a political rant one way or the other. But if let's say Democrats would have taken both both the House and the Senate, well, we would need to probably act quick, and we would probably want to do more this year. And estate planning and more this Correct. year, really bunch it up this year. Yeah. But now, to your point, we can breathe. Yeah, we got a little bit more more bandwidth here. We can do a little bit this year, a little bit next year. You don't have to do it all at once. I know there are a lot of you out there that are thinking about doing that. So this gives you a little bit of room. I think it's great. And next year, it's going to be even better because you get those increase in the brackets. So it's going to give you a little bit more wiggle room. Not only that, what's what what you're not thinking about is... Say you have some tech positions and they're down quite a bit this year, right? I'm going to pay oh, – the, the, the planning point here for this Roth conversion is to pay taxes when rates are the lowest. But that also means – it also has to do with depressed positions because say I own Meta or Apple or whatever or Google. And I think in 10 years, these companies will be – they'll be back, right? I can go ahead and move that depressed asset into my Roth and get the appreciation there. So this is like an incredible opportunity for people to diversify their retirement income stream down the road by using surgical Roth conversions. You want to talk to your tax advisor, talk to your financial advisor. It's it's a golden opportunity and it's something Danny and I have been talking about for a very long time. I love it. I mean, it's, it's one of the best tools you can utilize right now. Yeah, it really is. We get back. We're going to talk about pumpkin pie in your long-term care conversation. When we get back. I like pumpkin pie. <laughs> Me too. news you can use delivered at the speed of the internet at realinvestmentadvice.com in 1999 a para group of financial advisors were busted by corporate giants for trying to operate in their clients best interest these men promptly escaped from a high cost margin environment to the houston energy corridor today still excoriated by their former employers they survive as protectors of others' fortunes. If you have a problem about preserving capital, if no one else can help, and you can find them right here, maybe you should hire the RIA team. The Real Investment Show. 
Did you know it is long-term care awareness month? Nope. <laughs> it is. And these are some of the toughest conversations you're going to have with your older relatives. But you're going to spend time with your aging parents. You're going to spend time with your relatives. And we've written about this before. Um, it's a great time to observe them, first of all. Right? Parents, grandparents, they seem more receptive to having these conversations around holiday time. Right? We want to stay at home. We want to live at home as long as possible. I read this, this um, about future trends in housing, Danny, because of the age in place. And actually, more long-term care policies in the future are going to be written to where you will get incentive for aging at home, which I think is a good is is what most people want to do anyway, right? How do I bolster that benefit uh, to individuals? Then, I mean, home care is not cheap, and cost of care we know we keep track of that inflation, way above the rate of current inflation. Right? And do we understand the impact of that? In our planning, we help people understand is you just don't go out and buy long-term care insurance. Right? You just don't. It's like, it's like buying something. It's like buying a new car in the dark. Right? It, doesn't, it doesn't make sense. You want to do a plan first to figure out, one, do you actually need long-term care insurance? And if you do, how much? Right? The risk of dementia, Danny, is always, I think, the greatest risk. Right, that over the next ten years, uh, one in every three people will likely become incapacitated, and we understand where demographics are. Right, that we're an aging society, so having this discussion is good. And this is with the help from an article from uh, Think Advisor. Right, um. The questions sometimes can be tough. I mean, I've had these questions with my father at one point, and he just told me to shut up. <laughs> I mean, you don't talk to Italian parents about, hey, dad, what if... Or aging. Yeah. 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 yeah, but nobody wants to talk about this. The, the unfortunate situation with this is... Actually, I've had, I think, two conversations this week surrounding around long-term care. Mm -hmm. And what prompted them, one was somebody said, hey, you know what? I know we talked about this a long time ago. I let the ball drop. I need to I need to really address this. And mm -hmm. okay, well why? You know, what happened? What changed from then to now? And well, I'm helping my parents go through this or my my mother-in-law, my father-in-law. Um, you know, it's usually when you're in the fire and you see what somebody's going through, that's when you say, "Oh, shoot. You're right. I do need to to look at this a little bit more." Mm -hmm. And you're right. More the more that the kids go through it, the more they understand the need for it. And as they're, they might be squeezed between young children and aging parents, yep. they go, gosh, look at the toll this is having on me. Do I really want to place this burden on my children? So I am going to go ahead and really look at long-term care. I also think, Danny, after the pandemic, people understood well, that, hey, we might have another pandemic. I might, I'm, some, something might go wrong. In other words, we're looking at our own vulnerabilities a little bit more objectively. Yep. And that also helps with the long-term care discussion. So these discussions might get easier and easier, but be observant. When you go to your parents' house, <clears throat> does it look like a home that is ready for age in place? Is the bathroom 
Does it have bars in the bathroom, right? Is it a walk-in tub? Do you have Is, steps? Do you have... Right. You know Do you mean? have enough room if you had a wheelchair? Like, these are things or improvements that need to go into a financial plan to, to, to guide for. Early retirees, and I'm talking about 70, I'm talking about young retirees, uh, <clears throat> they're not going to be too worried about it through the active years of retirement. But once you're hitting 80... Right? You want to start planning. You're about 70 to 75. You at least want to start visualizing what this long-term care outcome can look like for you. And that part of it is, Danny, it's, it's just difficult to deal with aging. There was a great article in the Wall Street Journal yesterday about it took like two or three cases of individuals that went through the aging process, you know, knee surgeries, n- nothing with, with dementia, but just the fact that, oh, my gosh, I needed somebody's help. That's that's tough. Hey man, I, I was there at 40. It's not fun. Oh, you are. Yeah. yeah, it's like, man, your mind thinks, you know, so when you feel, finally figure out your mind, your body don't necessarily work together mm-hmm. anymore. Like in my mind, I can still do these things. But my body says, no, no, no. We're there and, on two levels. Yeah. Because say, so my wife is having some issues, mm-hmm. not mentally, but no. physically. Mm-hmm. And then my parents who are 93 and very year. independent usually. And very independent. They are in that uh, in that range now mm-hmm. where they're dealing with the long-term care companies. Oh boy. And that's a whole other <laughs> puzzle. There needs to be a guide just for that. It's it's horrible. Well, it's a struggle and that's why it's really important to understand the types of plans that you receive. Yes. Is it an indemnity or non-indemnity plan? Mm-hmm. What is the requirements for mm-hmm. the caregivers? actually for you to, to get, get these benefits That's you right. have to have someone in there so many hours a week in order to qualify to get the payback from the insurance policy that you that you paid into my dad's so frustrated right now he says well i paid a hundred dollars a month into this thing and i'm not getting my money's worth uh-huh. dad be patient yeah. you will but it is frustrating it is very frustrating that's why what's the difference Danny, between the indemnity and non-indemnity plan indemnity plan yeah so so care? the the indemnity plan is going to require you to actually go in and each month they say okay well you can get a five thousand dollar benefit a monthly benefit but here's a kicker you're going to have to spend five thousand dollars <laughs> and you're going to have to show re- receipts for each and every one of these items mm-hmm. so every month you're going through and you're going to spend several hours gathering everything up and you're going to send that in to them, and then they're going to say, okay, you know what? This looks good. We're going to cut you a check. And if Brent's dad's not doing it, Brent's doing it. Well, that's right. And that's, so it. this is when I usually get a call from a client saying, hey, you know, I know we talked about this. We need to readdress this mm-hmm. because what a pain in the rear this is. And what type of plan can we get that does not require this? And so then we look at a non-indemnity plan that will say, okay, the moment you cannot, you know, your doctor says you can't do two activities of daily living, you, you get the letter from the doctor, you send it in, they're going to start cutting you a check. And you receive that full $5,000 whether you use it or not. And that's a kicker. That is a kicker. So, Brent, your parents are very, very independent. Your dad was, I mean, he made this board behind us. This this, this is on wheels and it can move. And Brent's dad makes stuff. I mean, how is he dealing with the whole Now, hold on. Now, your dad, though, is 92? They're both 94. 94, excuse me. But but he's he's always working. Yeah. I mean, they're both very active. Right. And mom is... You know, for, for what she's got, uh, yeah. she's terminal. Right. But for what she's got, she's still very ambulatory. Active. Yeah. Um, but how does your dad deal with So he's, he's, he's yeah. having a hard time with it. And to mm-hmm. my younger brother's credit, Scott, thank you so much. He and his wife have gone through this before already ah. with her parents and a brother. And so they know how to run the traps on it. Okay. And so Scott has been dealing with 
these insurance companies on a direct basis, but it is another full-time job for him, literally. Dealing with them, dealing with the paperwork, making sure that mm -hmm. they're getting what's owed them. And, and so how's dad dealing with it? It's, it's affecting him. He's stressed. He doesn't sleep anymore. He's up all night worrying about this stuff. Wow. And we have to keep reminding him, dad, you're going to be okay. Mm -hmm. You've planned for this. And they did. They planned very, very Your well. Your parents seem like planners to me. Yeah. They plan for any. So he's going to be fine, but mm -hmm. he still frets. Yeah. No, and I, and I think that's the, you know, that's the issue because you're going to have people living longer. They're going to be more active, even in their 90s, and they're going to want to age in place. I don't know, can't imagine, say, God forbid, something happens to mom, your mom, or, and then dad might have to move closer or move in with someone. I don't know how he would work with that because he likes being on his own. Well, we'd have to move into a house with a three-car garage for all of his woodworking <laughs> stuff, you know? Who could afford that right now? I know. <laughs> But they had planned on aging in place when they uh -huh. when they built the house that they're living in now. Mm -hmm. It's got the bars. It's got the wide doors. It's got everything they need. Yeah, they they planned on it, but still, when we it, should hire Brent's there, parents. We should hire them. That's when it's there and it hits you in the face. It, it's a whole different perspective. So these are things you want to understand, and sometimes holiday time is a good idea to bring it up, right? But be a, be a Columbo. You know, be observant of this house is not ready. Hey, give everybody a couple glasses of wine. You have that conversation a lot easier. It'll be okay. Listen, right? I make this razzle-dazzle no. eggnog. With Geritol? Oh, no. Let me just say, I'll bring some into you, Brent. You won't see the microphone. You'll be blacked out on the floor, but <laughs> you, it works. Keep you got to put the, the secret ingredient is fireball. Yeah, keep it away from open flame. Fireball? Fire Hmm. And <laughs> you know that stuff like it's supposed to turn your liver like it's like antifreeze or something, right? Well, take, I'm not drinking the whole bottle. Take it's, chrome off a bumper hitch. Listen, it's fun. It's holiday. Now, is it is it the one you can get in the in the gas station or the one you get in the liquor you, store? Because those are two different well, kinds. Specs of Specs has a pump. I'm like, out. what the world's going on here? Oh, no. this is wine based. Specs has a pump out back. A pump out. <laughs> You just pump it into your, it your gas tank. By yeah. the gallon. Yeah. Oh, my God. So when you put whipped cream on top of this uh -huh. eggnog, like I put it in a martini glass, it you hear it scream. It goes, nah, and it melts away. It's You throw an M&M in there? They say M&M doesn't melt? Uh -huh. Oh, that thing goes. What if you throw a mento in there? You know, I'd like to see. Yeah. I'd like to You've see. You've seen that experiment. Yeah. Created the, the Rosso Razzle Dazzle. I'll, we'll do a show. First, guys. We're we should do, do one on camera. We're going to have. I'm going to bring them in for everybody, and we're going to do the show and see if the uh, the FCC actually takes us off the air. Oh, it is. Yes. <laughs> All right, that's it for us today. I think next week is next week Thanksgiving. Yeah. Holy turkey! So I guess we will have a best of next week and be back the following Friday. Hope you all have a wonderful and safe holiday. Don't eat too much. Have some eggnog for me. Thanks for tuning in. We appreciate it.